Okay, so let, let's see if we get this right. So this is like me. So I get a job with the government. With Unlikely. The CBP. Yes. <laughs> I'd like to see that happen. I get a job with them. What are you talking about? I'm an angel. No, but that would make you terrible for that job. Smashing Security, Episode 132, CBP Cyber Attack, an iPhone Privacy Boost, and Twitter List Abuse, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, Episode 132. My name is Graham Cluley. And I'm Carol Terrio. And we're joined this week by the ever-popular Maria Vermasis. Hello, Maria. Hi. <laughs> Fans go wild. Oh my god, that's awkward. <laughs> I'm always happy to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, we're delighted to have you back on the show because it is something of a mini celebration today because Woo-hoo! not that many. Well, <laughs> I say yay for you both. Non-sarcastic <laughs> applause. Because if you haven't been following us on Twitter or Reddit, first of all, where have you been? But secondly, you may have missed the news. Right? We had big news last week, didn't we, Crow, when we were up in London? We did. We won Best Cybersecurity Podcast at a Blogger Awards that's affiliated with the Info Security Show. Pretty exciting. Basically, it's a flipping big deal. This is like getting a Tony <laughs> or an Emmy or... An I Oscar. Mean, exactly. One of those. Mm. And we now are the proud owner of our second Best Podcast Trophy Kroll, I believe you're going to keep this one in your lavatory at home. Is that right? Not actually in the lavatory. (laughs) (laughs) For what purpose? No, it will no, it'll be nowhere near the lavatory. That would be a horrific place to put in a word. But what we need to do is we need to thank everybody who voted for us. Thank you very much if you did that. Thank you for listening to the show and for choosing us. You voted, (laughs) Maria. I did. I sure did. Anyway, (laughs) enough of the uh, self-congratulation. Well, it's not self-congratulations. We're saying thank you to everyone who helped us get where we are now. That includes listeners, sponsors, people who voted. You all rock. Absolutely. What's coming up on this week's show, Crow? Well, thanks to this week's sponsors, LastPass and Edgewise. Their support helps us give you the show for free. Now, put your hot cuppas down, folks. We don't want any spillages during this episode of Smashing Security. Graham checks in with U.S. borders to find out exactly what the hackers got away with. Maria heads to the Apple Grove, delving into all things iOS 13. And last but very much not least, I look at a new way Twitter trolls might be targeting folks. All this and more coming up on this episode of Smashing Security. Now, chaps, I want to talk to you about the United States Customs and Border Protection Force, the CBP. Oh, yes. They are the largest federal law enforcement agency at the Department of Homeland Security. And of course, they're doing a very important job. They're stopping unauthorized immigrants from entering the United States of America. And uh, in, in the absence of a huge, huge, beautiful wall, it's up to the CBP to police the border with Canada, preventing Winnebago's crammed full of lumberjacks from entering the country illegally. I'm sure you appreciate <laughs> that, don't you, Maria? Uh, not you mean the Americans trying to go into Canada, right? <laughs> I'm not sure which way it works. Uh, but, you know, basically, there's a lot of Canadians trying to sneak in. They've got harmful imports, <laughs> maple syrup, universal health care, gun control, all those sort of things. Weed. Now, now, <laughs> yeah, weed. <laughs> 
Now, now that it's quite possible that CBP also keep an eye on the United States other borders as well, but we, we never hear about those. Anyway, they are in the news this week for a security screw up. What? Because no. yes, it's no. hard to believe. It's hard to believe. <laughs> a government agency have messed up when it comes to security. Not because they allowed some Canadian bacon to be snuck over the border. <laughs> Very but cute. But instead grim. because they have been careless with their data, or so it appears. Okay. Now Customs and Border Protection, they have confirmed publicly that hackers stole the photographs of travellers and vehicle license plates travelling in and out of the United States. Now, you're probably imagining that the hackers broke into the government computers or something like that. Yeah, right, into the network where they have a a cache of images or something. Not at all. Okay. The CBP's personal security, their actual organisational security, their network wasn't infiltrated by hackers. bravo. Instead, it appears that a subcontracting company working for the CBP copied the photos of travellers and licence plates onto its own computers. No! Which was in violation of policies and without the knowledge or authorization of the CBP. And that subcontractor then suffered a malicious cyber attack. Okay, so let's see if we get this right. So this is like me. So I get a job with the government, with the CBP. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to see that happen. I get a job with them. What are you talking about? I'm an angel. No, but that would make you terrible for that job. <laughs> yes, you're not qualified, girl. I'd be like, come on in, Have guys. you been to the United come States? <laughs> come on in. Everyone's welcome. Uh, Let's have a party. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, right. Okay, so I get a job kind of manning the borders. <laughs> right. And I'm a consultant right. for the CBP, yes, yes, right? Yes, yes. And um, I'm taking pictures of all this stuff for the CBP, but as well as giving them, I keep a copy secretly and put it on my own network at home, which does not have the right protections in place to protect me from said cyber attack. It's a bit like that. Or it's a bit like if you posted it up on Pinterest or your Tumblr, pictures you were taking at work. <laughs> or it's like if you had sensitive data at your job and then you, you copied it to your personal laptop and then you lose your laptop in a cafe. Right. I have never done I'm that I'm sure ever. you haven't. <laughs> I have never copied a phone number number over and sent it to my personal never ever no no one's ever Mm -mm. done homework on the weekend you know no and lost it in a taxi the reality is this is something which happens all the time right people (laughs) take their work home or they they send it to their gmail or yahoo account or they copy it onto their laptop because they want to do some extra work in this case this subcontract we don't know exactly why they did it but according to the cbp less than one hundred thousand people been affected and it was a few specific lanes at a single land border over a period of a month and a half so passports and other travel documentation weren't compromised and it appears that air travelers aren't included in the hall just your faces are compromised that's right yeah (laughs) okay is it possible that it's just one bad apple in this subcontracting unit that did it if it's a few specific lanes at a particular land border it's a bit of a mystery as to why this happened and it's possible that they were taking the data maybe to maybe to do some troubleshooting or maybe they needed a sample of data because they were wanting to analyze pictures and see whether their analysis would work better and they obviously couldn't do that on a government computer without permission and they're thinking oh we've got access to this data we're able to see yeah, it for the data let's yeah, hoover, hoover it up the data and let's see what we can do so it, this is not a supply chain attack where somebody compromises a subcontractor and then pivots into the main network this is somebody messed right. up policy wise so that's a- yeah it appears the hackers never managed to gain access to the C 
CBP actual network. So it was just the subcontractor. But obviously, the implication is kind of the same. Exactly, yeah. And this is the issue, is whether subcontractors working for your organisation are treating your data securely, and if their security is as good as yours. And it's hard to know. I mean, everyone's going to say and rubber stamp it and say they're doing a good job, aren't they? Are they? Are they going to say that? Oh, yeah, I suppose if they want the contract. If they want the contract. Or they may be completely unaware. They may think, yes, of course we take security seriously. Yeah, can you imagine them going, to be honest, I'm doing a terrible (laughs) job with my security. (laughs) Just be real. Look, I'm the IT guy and I have no idea what I'm doing. all cards on the table. I'm shit. (laughs) (laughs) But like... Can I have the job? Please give me money. Yeah. (laughs) Now, the CBP hasn't named the subcontracting company that was actually hacked. Presumably, they want to save it some embarrassment. However the cat might have been let out of the bag. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You see, there's only one US government contract which provides license plate reading technology at the US's land borders. Okay, so hardly an investigative journalist <laughs> job here Real to find gum out who work. It was. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and that particular contractor is a Tennessee-based company by the name of Perceptics. And basically their technology says, well, look, we can recognize cars and their drivers from camera footage, right? All very cool if you want to do that kind of thing. Now, when the CBP shared its press statement regarding the security breach, they sent to journalists at the Washington Post a Word document. And although they didn't name in their statement the contractor in that Word document, they did send the Word document with a file name which included the name Perceptics. What? (laughs) Which did rather let the cat out of the bag. Uh, Uh, So you can put one and one together and easily make two. Well, it may be that they did that on purpose as well. Yeah, we're not saying, but we're kind of saying. Oh, I see. You're you're, you're like, we we don't want to name them, but actually we're really pissed with them. Oops. (laughs) (laughs) Girl, you know what I'm like, oh, oops, I dropped this. (laughs) Hope nobody sees that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Now, to add to the intrigue, just a couple of weeks ago, the register was contacted by someone who called themselves... Boris Bullet Dodger. Nice. Subtle. Okay, yeah. <laughs> now, Mr. Bullet Dodger, he shared with the register evidence that suggested hackers had made available on the dark web hundreds of gigabytes of data seemingly snaffled up from Perceptic servers, including databases, spreadsheets, HR records, business plans, financial figures, Whoa. personal information, and yes, thousands and thousands of images of what appeared to be license plate captures. That Wowie. happened a couple of weeks ago. Hmm. That's not the only data, though, that they actually managed to snarfle up from Perceptic's network because they also took a few MP3 files from users' desktops, including... (laughs) This is the best part. Including Superstition by Stevie Wonder, a variety of ACDC and Cat Stevens songs. I'm thunderstruck. And... (laughs) Very good. And, <laughs> and Wannabe by the Spice Girls. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's my jam. Do, do, you, do you think they just hoovered up everything and that came along? Or do you think those were individually selected? It looks like somebody them? completely owned the Perceptics <laughs> network. If you want to own Perceptics, you got to get with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> now, you definitely wouldn't want that falling into the wrong hands. But, no. but there's clearly a significant amount of sensitive information here, which is into the hands of hackers about the monitoring of US Mm -hmm. borders. And that's pretty embarrassing, isn't it? So the important thing to remember is this, right? The US government contractor, which may or may not have been Perceptics, they didn't have permission (laughs) to move the data to their own systems. Right. Um, Maybe they did it for testing purposes or troubleshooting. We don't know, but it probably wasn't done with malicious intent. But the point is they didn't seek authorization. And lo and behold, their security was insufficient. 
and Surprise. the CBP would never have given them permission to do this because obviously it would have been quite sensitive. And and they don't like to bring themselves into controversy, do they? They don't like to have people pointing a finger at them. So basically, an American government agency and their American subcontractor messed up and compromised the info of non-Americans. <laughs> Most likely, a lot of people who are not American. That somehow seems about right. Well, they have all yours after the Equifax. Oh, yeah, that's like not even every American's got their info. Like, forget it. Yeah, exactly. Why worry? Right. Yeah. Everyone can join the party now. Just go to America. Finally. Fantastic. Everyone's invited. Let's go. Maria, what's your story for us this week? As we mentioned at the top of the show, I'm going to be talking about Apple and iOS 13, which was recommended to me by a number of folks on Twitter. So thanks, Twitter netizens. I was kind of feeling lazy and didn't know what I wanted to cover this week. So I appreciate the tip from everyone. The iOS 13 beta is currently in developer-only beta, but it'll be in public beta later this summer. And uh, iOS 13 is the new upcoming version of Apple's iOS for your iPhone. Yes, quite exciting. They always uh, roll out some interesting new features. And I don't want this to be just a rehash of the Apple press release. Like there's there's some interesting stuff here. So I wanted to call out two specific security and privacy features that Apple's announcing because there's some stuff there we should, should dig into. Okay, sounds good. Okay, so first, Apple's going to be slapping greedy apps that want all your location data all the damn time. So Up until now, up until iOS 12, you can set location data to be shared with an app either always, while the app is in use, or never. Yeah. So they're now going to be rolling out a new option that says location sharing, allow it just once. So basically, hey, you app, you need to ask me every damn time you want to use my location. I'm pretty sure that Android users have had that option for a while. I'm pretty sure. Don't quote me on that one, but... Um, it's that's a great option. I think I would definitely be using it a lot. But I kind of already do that, but in a much more manual way, oh, right? Yeah. So I have it all off on most apps yes. all the time, right? And then I'm like, oh yeah, okay, now I'm using this map app to get from A to B. So I'll turn on location data for the length of my yes. journey and then turn it off at the other end. But you do have to remember to turn it off. You have to check your phone a lot. It tends to, yeah. <laughs> when I go to the loo, I just check my settings. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a very productive time for your poo time, you know, whatever. Uh, that, yeah. That's that's quite that's quite interesting, Crow. So if you if you turn it on, it's it, it doesn't. Other than the bit about going to the loo, but but it, but if it doesn't turn itself off at the end, I, I so if you allow it just once, Maria, to yes. say yes, you can use it during this session. When does it turn off? That's a great question. I can't tell you specifically. I, I have not been able to use the public beta yet. It's not out. Okay. Anyone out okay. there listening yes, who's know. used this and checked it out, please tweet us and let us know. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. think some of our listeners have the developer beta access, which I don't have yet. So if they know, I'd love to know that. Awesome. I agree, Curl. I do the same thing. Everything is off. And then if it really nags me, I might turn it on and I have to remember to turn it off again, which is mm. annoying, doable, annoying, but doable. Yeah. There's something I want to complain about at some point. I'll do it later. <laughs> but I have an Apple thing I, want, I really want to complain about. Let's rip into them. It. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> That sounds good. Yeah. So as part of this, in addition, Apple will also show you the location data that your app is receiving. So quite literally, they will put the locations, like coordinates, on a map on a screen and say, hey, this is literally all the data this app is getting from you about where you are. Do you still want them to have this? I love this so much because this is actually translating what it means that when they say hoovering up your location data, you see how exact it is. Like within a few feet, they're right. Yeah, it's like (laughs) you might be thinking they know generally like maybe what state I live in, but no. Uh, So (laughs) for example, I I saw somebody tweeting about this because they had developer beta access. This this person's name is Sam 
Sophis, I, I probably mispronounced his last name, sorry. And he tweeted what that actually looks like on the iOS 13 uh-huh. beta. And he got a notification about his Google Nest thermostat saying it's been using his location in the background. And then the map shows all these light and dark circles over all the coordinates, basically all over all of San Francisco. It's like block by half block by half block. <laughs> well, 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 hang on. Why is his thermostat traveling across San Francisco? <laughs> right. Like, why does his thermostat? Yeah. why? Because it's his phone. It's, it's connected phone. to your phone. Yeah. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. Yeah. His Nest thermostat knows where he lives, as, a, as another Twitter user said, where he lives, where he works, his favorite restaurant, his gym, where he shops. Like, why does your why? thermostat need why, that Why is that needed? <laughs> and and not just Nest, right? That's Google services. So, like, all your location data is being, yeah. And why exactly, Graham? Good question. Why? Right. And that's the question that I think Apple's trying to get its general users to start asking itself is going, wait, why do you need that? Actually, maybe I'll turn that off. I mean, the only thing I can think of is maybe if you were in a different time zone, so it may collect time zone data. If you wanted to control your thermostat back at home, through, are we I really just defending this? No, I'm not. <laughs> okay. I'm, just, I'm just struggling to understand <laughs> yeah. why it would even be interested in that data. I, I, because they can, I think. It's just because if you're going to offer it up, they'll be like, I'll take it. Yeah, all right. And, you know. Yeah, Google has shown itself to have such restraint when <laughs> yeah. it comes to our information and private and stuff. And let's be real, yeah. it's not just Google. Any but any app developer, they're like, I'll just right. take your data. I'm not going to protect it as we, well, <laughs> I'll just grab it right. and hoard it. Like, I'm a squirrel with lots of acorns and now figure out what to do with it later you are like a squirrel yeah the data <laughs> and just a little footnote to the apple location data thing they're going to also apply these limits to apps that also try to sniff out location via wi-fi and bluetooth like those guys that try to circumvent those location sharing permissions by oh, figuring right. it out through uh, yeah. wi-fi and bluetooth they're tamping down on that as well so i don't know the technical details this is what they've said but i i think some of our listeners may know and when i get my hands on the public beta i will try that out for myself so that's location data that's ios 13's location data update now let's get to what i think is the even juicier bit i'm Mm -hmm. curious to hear what you think so as many listeners know i am basically contractually obligated to mention facebook every time on the show so i'm (laughs) but not in a positive way it's not like they're paying you (laughs) no they are definitely not paying me i mean they're very free to they've got a lot of money but no they're not paying so tell us what what, so this single sign-in from apple yeah so they are entering the third-party signing game directly in competition with facebook and google and they are requiring it so all developers who are making or updating their apps for ios 13 were told in writing if you offer a third-party sign-in for your app, you must put in Apple's third-party sign-in option as well. Right. You, you don't have to put it first, but it has to be there. So it's a requirement. And the reason that Apple's offering is different from what Facebook and Google are offering is that instead of offering up your personal details on a silver platter for that app or website service, you can actually ask Apple to sign you up and sign you in with essentially anonymized data. I've been thinking about this thing from Apple. Yeah. Like they can hide your own email address and get you in without providing any personal information to right. the third party. So Facebook, if you use Facebook or Google's third party sign in, it'll give the app developer not just your name and your email, but it'll, they'll pass along any other data that they've got on you that the app developer wants. Right. Apple says, I'm taking their word for it right now because I can't dispute it. Apple says they will only give the name and email, nothing else about you. Apple will not track you on the phone either, so it won't have any data on you. This is what right. they say anyway. And, Carol, as you mentioned, 
you can actually ask Apple to basically sign you up for that service with a burner email. So Apple will generate a random email address that forwards to your real email. So the app guys don't get your real email. And you can just disable that burner email at any time if the app starts spamming you. So like if you've been using 10 minute mail for years to get around uh, app signups, this sort of allows you to streamline that process. And the beauty of this, of course, is that those email addresses are going to be unique, just like your password should be unique. And so right. it'd be difficult for the app developers to, or, or big tech companies to begin to piece together a, a picture of who you are based purely on your username. Right. It's a serious game changer, I think. Also, because I use a lot of Apple products in the, for the last, whatever, 10, 15 years, they basically know everything about me already. Right. So I'm in bed with this. I like this. I trust them. I, I use their services. I buy their very expensive products. Love some of them, like others. But right? because you're actually paying them quite a lot of money, Carol, for that hardware and for that software, they have less interest in collecting a huge amount of personal information about you. Right, they've got to some already. of the other tech companies. Yeah. Hey, you know what I, I admire? They could be also doing that, right? They could be charging an arm and a leg for their tech and also collecting and selling off my data. Yeah, it, but they've chosen not to. So in this day and age where everyone's making money through data hoovering and, and data ads repurposing, and ads and ads and ads. they are really playing a really a big differentiator game. And I think it's excellent. Yeah, I think it's really it's exciting. It's sort of the luxurification of privacy. So as long as you can afford, to, I mean, I'm not <laughs> saying that you can't get privacy outside of an Apple product, but Apple is making it part of their differentiator that, hey, we make privacy even easier for you as long as you can afford our products and are always locked into buying our products. We'll give you this as part of the overall experience. One of the things I like about this, and of course, we'll have to wait until it all rolls out properly so we all get a copy of it and make sure that it works properly. But mm -hmm. from the sound of things, this could address that issue, which we so commonly see about where a website is hacked and the hackers then have your username or your email address and your password. And they use that password with that email address against all manner of other online accounts. Yes. With this, because each username is unique, they won't be able to use that username to break into your Gmail or your Amazon right. or anything Credential else. reuse is basically taken away here. So that's a differentiator from Facebook and Google as well. You don't have that unique username. Are you saying it makes hacking exponentially harder? It, it I, I think it, it honestly, it, it, as you said, it's a game, it's a potential game changer. I, I'm trying not to sound like I'm working for Apple PR, but there is a lot here that's like making privacy easier, basically circumventing the whole begging and pleading for people to use unique passwords, you know, that, you know, keep an eye on when their credentials get pwned. Are the options that we'd given people were take care of all this kind of manually and figure it out for yourself. Or if you want to use something a little easier, like, <laughs> like a third party sign in with Facebook or Google, be okay with divvying up all your private info and giving that away. And now there's like this nice other option where you can actually maintain what sounds like a pretty good sense of privacy and not give away all this demographic info. Like that's pretty fantastic. Mm -hmm. The other thing with this whole third party sign in is that to use it, you have to have 2FA enabled. You have to have two-factor authentication enabled. So if you are not okay with Apple owning your biometrics in some way with Face ID or Touch ID, you won't be able to use this. But that's the factor that it uses to authenticate you. So right. Exciting if you're trying to adopt two-factor authenticating a little... If you, oh, so you can't authenticate with a password. Is correct. You have to use face or touch ID as your second factor. Oh, you see, that's interesting. I don't like that. Yeah, and I, I, that one I haven't seen mentioned many places. It's like, oh, it uses two-factor authentication. I'm like, great, that's awesome. But that yep. specifically is face or touch ID, or at least that's what it sounds like right now when I was reading through the documentation. Although, so. of course, maybe that will encourage people who leave their phones permanently unlocked to enable 
face or touch ID to actually. But why can't it be a password too? Use of the- well, it's not a second factor in that case, right? It's got to be not just something. You- well, it could be a second password as well. It feels to me like I, I, I have to say I'm going to be optimistic about this because there are gazillions of people out there who are using Apple devices who may very well begin to use this feature yeah. when they sign up for sites. And I, I have some more yeah. trust at the moment, I think, that Apple's going to get it right than the typical human being would in terms of choosing their email address and password. Yeah, or Google or Facebook, who've had 10 years to work on this and have basically just uh, let us down. Yeah, as I said earlier, I'm a little like, uh, about the idea of uh, privacy being a luxury that you have to buy into from Apple. But there are ways to do this on your own, but it's just a lot harder. Mm. Lots of great things, though, come into the world and they're expensive at first, uh, like solar panels. Yeah, right? I, I hope I hope this inspires out. others to follow in this example. I mean, exactly. I, I really do. Yeah. And I mean, the way it's Apple is selling this to its developers, who I'm sure are kind of like eh, about this whole thing about getting less data, is that Apple saying, hey, if you're getting this anonymized uh, user info from us, you can be sure that it's an actual real user trying to sign into you as opposed to some spammer. So that's how they're angling. Yeah. It. I don't know if that tracks, but that's what they're saying. Watch the space. Yeah. All right. So what was your complaint? I think, yes, you have a complaint about <laughs> yes. Apple that you want to oh, share with everybody. Yeah. Well, my complaint has to do with Bluetooth, yes. right? So I don't use Bluetooth headphones very often. When I connect, when I need to use Bluetooth, like I do with my location sharing, I like to turn it on. And I like to turn it off, mm-hmm. yes. right? So my normal protocol would be to have Bluetooth off by default, and then I would turn it on. It seems as though every time I turn it off, it says, oh, okay, we'll keep it turned off for 24 hours, then turn it back on for you tomorrow. Yeah, it's annoying. And there's no way you can get out of that. I hate that. Yeah, I, I hate that I hate it decides that. that it's going to turn itself back on for you. I, yes. Yeah, it, it drives, drives me crazy. Me well, yeah. well, hang on. So, well, how are you turning it off? What do you mean how I'm turning how it off? How are you turning like, it on and off? Well, I turn it off uh, probably normally using the little swipe up screen, whatever that's uh, called. Right. See, that's the mis- Is that my problem? That's your problem. If you do it that way, you're right. It does kind of say, oh, well, we'll just temporarily do this. I think if you go through settings, then it will permanently turn it off. All right. I'll check it out. Yeah, yeah. we'll try that out. I, I think that sounds right to me as well. But it, it, seem, it shouldn't be buried like that. Like, just call me it- an Apple genius. Well, I'm not until I try it, uh, until I use it. I think you'll I'll just, find. I'll wait. I'll wait till I find I'm it. Pretty sure yeah. it's going to work, girl. I need proof. <laughs> I need proof. Pretty sure. Pretty sure it's going to work. Okay. Take his word for it. Carol, what have you got for us this week? Okay, Twitter. We're talking Twitter now. Both of you, Graham and Maria, you're both avid Twitter users. And I wanted us to analyze the guts of this uh, CNBC article and see what you guys think. So aside from following specific people and reading, liking, replying to their tweets, you can also create lists of accounts that you want to follow. Yes. 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 That's right. Right? Mm-hmm. So a Twitter list is basically, for those who don't know, is, is a list curated by you or by someone else. Mm-hmm. You can create your own list to subscribe to certain accounts that are created by others. You can actually subscribe to other people's lists so you can save yourself the work, I guess. So for example, if Graham was following infosec bods i could follow his list if it was public and and you know basically yep, hoover up right. all the data that you get yes yep and you can also see a list timeline so you can see a stream of tweets from the accounts that are actually on that list alone yeah it's like a, a recommendation that, that you curate right right th- these are people that are worth listening to i find it very handy actually i'm not sure how people manage to use twitter without lists because if you if you follow any number of people, a certain number of people, it's impossible to keep track of it all. So I I sort of have a a, a list which is don't miss, 
So people who I, I, I definitely want to see every sort of tweet from those small number of people there. And then I have my timeline. I might have a Doctor Who list, a chess list and other things which I'm interested well, in. Well, this might be why you're much more interested in Twitter than I am, because I have no lists. Oh, right. Oh, well. Yeah, you got, you're, you're missing out on an actually decent feature. Yeah. Well, am I? Because listen to this. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Did I set so- you up for that or what? <laughs> So according to a CNBC article published this week, a few people have complained about suddenly receiving a barrage of hateful tweets, mm-hmm. almost like someone has put a bullseye on their Twitter back. Oh, no, this would never, ever happen on Twitter. People would never send a... <laughs> Harassment on Twitter? What? No one would be mean on Twitter. No, this is I nonsense. don't buy Fake it. news. <laughs> But it seems as though these trolls were like coming out of nowhere and suddenly accusing them of all sorts of stuff that they didn't necessarily believe or support. Mm -hmm. So they're getting all these awful tweets and they decide to do some digging. And they're kind of trying to go, what the heck is going on here? And they discovered something rather interesting. And it seems that Twitter lists is the culprit. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So while Twitter lists are normally a cool, useful thing, some users have figured out how to use Twitter lists to troll people. And here's how it works. It turns out that the victim Twitter accounts are being added to questionable lists, lists that seem solely created to maybe embarrass the owner of that Twitter account or to call trolls into action to fire hateful and bullish tweets at the targeted victim. Okay. We're talking lists here with names like black racists. Ooh. So, yeah. So you, for instance, Carol, you might be added to a list called Apple fans or something. Uh, and Maria, you, you'd be like Deep Space Nine dweebs. Or- <laughs> no, no, no. It would be more like I would be added to a list called Apple fans suck. Oh, I see. Or oh, Apple right? shills. Yes. Or something oh, like that. Oh, shills. Right. OMG. Yes. 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 For example, Graham, you might create a list, claim my, my favorite people, where yeah, Maria yeah, yeah. and I would be featured very highly mm-hmm. there. Maria, yeah. <laughs> and just like, just like you could create a list like that, a troll could create a list of so-called enemies. Right. And distribute that list across forums or chat rooms or Twitter itself as a call to action to attack the specific user. Ah, I see. So they create a list of people they want to attack and then they share it with their evil buddies, whether on Twitter or elsewhere. Yes. Attack, my pretties. Attack. Can I be a hipster for a second and say this doesn't surprise (laughs) me at all? Because... Uh, no, for I'm, I'm going to be a total like. I'm uh, just laughing at hipster. No, like uh, I was doing that before. It was cool. No, like, pe- but people have been coordinating attacks like that through DMs on Twitter, like for ages. Like this is a well known thing. Is they'll use DMs and people will be like, okay, there's here's this tweet from this politician that we decided we don't like. Whatever aisle side you're on, whatever. And then like they'll blast it to a group of people in DMs, and then it's like go go army, sick right. them, and then they'll go after them. So this sounds like it's sort of like an extension of that, except maybe a little more public. Yeah. <laughs> um, and apparently the current way that the people who, report, who were reported in the article from CNBC handle it is they basically, on a monthly basis or weekly basis, go and check. And this is where I want you guys to confirm this is possible, right? Okay. They go and check where they're listed. So where are their Twitter usernames listed? Okay. And if the list seems troublesome or worrisome based on the fact that maybe there's no followers or the name's outrageous they remove or delete themselves from said Twitter list. Psst, listeners. Okay, I make a bit of a boo-boo here. 
these people aren't able to delete themselves from said lists. But what they can do is block the creator of the list and block all the followers of that list. And in that way can kind of control the stem of misinformation and attack. Now watch Graham actually figure this out. I don't see an option for that. I think maybe what you could do is you could block the person who owns the list. But but if their buddies are also using that list, that doesn't block them, does it? Yeah, maybe they're using like a blockchain or something, but still this is uh, mm. Don't don't mention blockchain. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so what is Twitter doing about it? Um, not much, say, a number of reports. So trolls misuse this basic function um, as they misuse other f- functions on Twitter. And they say it's the responsibility of the individual user to report the, you know, the problem to Twitter and allow Twitter to make their move. Now, there seems to be a bit of a weird loophole here, because mm. if a user reports a troll for abuse, the troll might counter report in a massive way by getting all their friends to do the same so counter report the victim in retaliation yeah that does happen so for example i report maria to twitter saying god maria is so annoying and then maria and all her buddies and all her her smashing security fans all attack me saying no she's outrageous yeah she refuses to use an oxford comma (laughs) (laughs) i just forget sometimes (laughs) (laughs) um and and thanks to algorithmic logic if a user gets enough report it's enough for twitter to indiscriminately suspend an account yeah it's the vagaries of twitter support yeah exactly according to a lot of just completely anecdotal anecdata when i i see a lot of uh twitter got it wrong kind of support stuff it seems it seems like it's not super hard to game it yeah uh and and use it against somebody in a retaliatory way you see that a lot on twitter in the especially in the political spheres it's uh it's interesting which is why mm. i stay out of that world on twitter for the most part they they say the best advice is not to attract the attention of trolls but that in itself i don't exist <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, that, and that itself is quite difficult in this day of age where everyone wants to have a youtube channel and um you know a social media presence and Ugh. wants to have a point of view that matters in a, in a world god mad yeah i never want a youtube channel so whatever <laughs> <laughs> don't put me in front of a camera okay thanks <laughs> i wonder if there's also uh an issue here, because if you're looking at the lists which you've been put on, if that list was given a benign name, like, oh, really cool cybersecurity guys. Graham's the best, something or, like that. Or something like that. You may think, <laughs> oh, well, I obviously have no problem with that. But it could actually be used for something unpleasant, couldn't it? Yep. Or renamed, maybe, at some point. And I think because you're in a list, there is a sense that you've okayed your belonging there. You, you haven't. It has nothing to do with you, but somehow... Well, that's interesting as well, isn't it? Because people might see that you are on the neo-Nazi list, for instance. It's like, no, I didn't want to join that club. I think that's the issue with the idea of being at a list. I think it's embarrassing to some people because the club might be not something they agree with at all or be a contentious point or a socially manipulative point. If it doesn't exist already, Twitter needs to implement a way for people to easily remove themselves from lists. Just kind of like how there was for a while on Facebook. Oh, God, I can't believe I mentioned it again. Oh, people could add you to a group you didn't want to be a part of. Without your permission. That was a thing for a while. My guess is that you have to block the person who created the list. That sounds about right. So what, you block the person that created the list and therefore they can't add you to a list? Or maybe your existence on that particular list vaporizes because they can no longer follow you. That seems plausible. That's my guess. Mm. Hmm. Anyway, anyone can confirm it. We're all ears. That's right. (laughs) 
lots of lots of feedback from the listeners we're asking for this week. <laughs> Please be kind. <laughs> <laughs> So, Crow, imagine a hacker has gained access to one of the computers inside your organization. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and, of course, they're going to take advantage of any flat networks and ineffective security controls to try and move laterally towards their intended targets, which is going to be all that juicy data your company collects. Gotcha, yep. Right. Now, traditional solutions, they often find it difficult to reliably distinguish between legitimate software access in that data and unapproved applications, yeah? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and that's where our sponsor comes in this week. Edgewise is the industry's first zero-trust segmentation platform. Okay. It has a simple-to-use interface, which lets you stop data breaches by allowing only verified software to communicate within your cloud or data center. Clever. Yeah, really smart. In a nutshell, Edgewise's data-centric approach makes micro-segmentation simpler and more secure. Okay, I want to learn more. Well, that's easy. All you have to do is go to edgewise.net and request a trial of their one-click micro-segmentation. Oh, awesome. Boom. Hey, Graham. Yes. There are people out there with companies a little bit bigger than ours. <laughs> and one of the issues that they face is visibility and oversight. And when it comes to cybersecurity, that is super important. So really listeners, is. listen up. If you do not have a password manager in your organization, please check out LastPass Enterprise. They offer centralized admin oversight and control shared access and automated user management. All this stuff makes your life easier. Plus, you can even use LastPass's single sign-on to protect all your cloud apps and give seamless access to employees. So check it out at lastpass.com forward slash smashing. <laughs> Let me try that again, folks. Check it out at lastpass.com forward slash smashing. Perfect. Do you want to make it more conversational? <laughs> I don't know. I think that sounded great. And welcome back. And you join us on our favourite part of the show, the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. <laughs> Pick of the Week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. Could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website, or an app. Whatever they wish. It doesn't have to be security-related necessarily. Better not be. And my pick of the week this week is not security-related. You'll be very pleased to hear, Creole. Super pleased. Now, way back in 2003, an anime... Is it anime? Is that how you said? An anime yeah. show called Firestorm hit TV screens in Japan. We're talking anime on this podcast? I'm so here for it. Hang on. This is oh. just the build-up to my pick of the week. Oh, okay. Never mind. And this Japanese TV show, uh, no one would really have cared about it, apart from the fact that one of its creators was Jerry Anderson, who in the 60s, of course, uh, was famous, and the 70s, was famous for such classics as Thunderbirds, Captain Scarlet, and UFO and Space 1999. Now, this Firestorm TV show never really caught uh, fire. But, <laughs> and so it's no mo little more than a curiosity for most of us. But wait, because Jerry Anderson's son, Jamie Anderson, he has picked up his late father's mantle and he is rebooting Firestorm in the style of classic 
puppets based Thunderbirds. Oh, that's where it okay. comes from because you're a big Thunderbirds oh. fan. I'm a big I'm a big fan of the Jerry Anderson stuff. I was kind of going, I'm surprised, anime too. I was well, surprised. Yes. I was surprised yeah. there. I was like, I mean, Whoa. like I'm I'm excited, but yeah. I didn't think y'all. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> so if you go and check out FastStormHQ.com, or I'll also put into the show nuts, show nuts, show nuts, <laughs> nuts. the show. <laughs> <laughs> Show notes, a link to the YouTube trailer, a 10-minute mini-episode. You will see the puppets are back. Whoa. But unlike in the 1960s, you're not going to see any strings. It is filmed in ultra marionation, even better than super marionation, which they used to use. Wow. Real sets, miniatures, practical effects, and it looks wonderful. It, it really is bringing back that Jerry Anderson magic. Currently, it's only a 10-minute mini-sode, but it looks like they're going to produce... Oh, it looks pretty slick, though. Oh, yeah. You go a couple minutes in. I hope they haven't lost too much of the puppeteering, you know? It's such a difficult balance when you do digital puppeteering. Go a couple of minutes into the episode, and you'll see some of the characters, and you'll see they, they really are. Yeah, but I'm also seeing, like, James Bond-style explosions yeah, well, here. You know, the original Thunderbirds and Captain Scarlet were full of action as well. There was all sorts of explosions. And yeah, but I'm seeing tinfoil sets, so, you know, it's not... pretty cool <laughs> yeah, okay. stuff. Nice. and um And there you are well i wanted to uh throw us back to some classic sci-fi tv in this week when sadly paul darrow avon from blake seven uh passed away who was a real hero for all of us is it have you seen blake seven maria i have not no, i have not you're just missing out guys but anyway avon was it's it's a name i'm familiar with i've just not seen it though firestormhq.com is my pick of the week Go and check it out. Maria, what's your pick of the week? So I have a pick of the week, but I want to mention while we've been recording this episode, Nintendo just announced they're making a sequel to Breath of the Wild for the Switch. (gasps) Yeah. Stop everything. (laughs) I knew you would, because I literally had to suppress that sound when I I saw my Twitter feed explode with everyone going, oh my God. So it's in development. So I feel like that should be my pick of the week. (laughs) Uh, but there's nothing yet, so I'm just like, that's just an announcement. Um, my actual pick of the week is a <laughs> subreddit that I've uh, become somewhat addicted to, and it is r slash uh, AITA. Oh, and I AI- love it. I love it. I'm a total <laughs> fan. What, what, what does AITA stand for? It's something for? you should know. <laughs> it is a, it's a question. AITA, am I the asshole? <laughs> So this is a subreddit where people ask the question, am I the asshole in this situation? And they then write out a situation. They've been in some sort of moral quandary where the uh, somebody gets mad at somebody else or there's some sort of fallout or just, just a general sense of malaise. And then he kicks them in the butt and goes, am I the asshole? Was it wrong of me to do that? Was it wrong of me to, you know, spit on their face or whatever? I don't know. So <laughs> they ask the question and then the commenters way in no you're not the asshole there's no asshole in the situation yes you're the asshole and it's <laughs> yeah. it's a NTA really fast- or aita it's such a great fun read and uh if you the and so you're basically polling the internet to find yes. out do most people think you're being and an asshole my favorites are when people in the comments completely disagree if the person is or isn't an asshole and it's just like it gets real heated and it, it, you know you've got people all over the world weighing in on these moral quandaries and sometimes it's like social issues that, yeah. yeah should I give you one should I give you one yeah, yeah go yeah, for it one, I, I love how Carole likes my <laughs> oh I love it I, I'm yeah. a total addict I love this separate um, am I the asshole for wanting a salary as a S A H M, Graham? S. Sorry. 
A salary as a what? Am I the asshole for wanting a salary as a stay-at-home mom? S-A-H-M, stay-at-home mom. I didn't know what Just, that I'm was. I'm teaching you. I'm teaching you the low hand. Okay, so that's like the title. And then basically, they're like, yeah, sorry, guys, I just need to know if I'm the asshole. I want money for being a stay-at-home mom. Because so- it's a lot of freaking work. <laughs> Not salary from a company, presumably, but salary from maybe the breadwinner in the house. And then people are going, you're the asshole. Other people are saying, you're not the asshole. (laughs) And uh, And they justify it. They write out whole explanations about why they think this. So it's not just like a yes or no. It's like, yes, you're an asshole because no, you're an asshole. Yeah, it's It's a great time waster. I love it. It really is. (laughs) So that was high five, Maria. Cool. I'll go go and check it out. Thanks. That's my pick of the week. I am not an asshole. No, am I the asshole? (laughs) You're definitely not an asshole. I try not to be an asshole, but I'm not successful. Well, let's see how Carol does with her pick of the week. Great. Great. Do you try? Do you try not being an asshole, Graham? I don't try. I mean, I, it's just like genetic, right? Natural. It just comes to you no. naturally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I right. Just, I, so I thought. What do you mean? Right. Today, my pick of the week <laughs> is all about trees. I know I'm Canadian, so I have a special relationship with trees. So your pick of the week is trees. Are we talking Reddit's definition of trees? <laughs> Look, we all agree though, tree is really important, right? Yes. It's the biggest plant on the planet, gives us all the oxygen stuff and stores carbon and stabilizes the soil. And if you don't believe any of this, go read Harari's Homo sapiens. Very educational. I did not know about trees. <laughs> <laughs> There's a search engine that I discovered called Ecosia. E-C-O-S-I-A. Ah. And Ecosia says that it uses 80% of its profits to plant trees. Right. And they claim to have planted millions of trees since 2009 all around the globe. Now, I did a little digging, you know, because you know me with these new things. I'm like, hmm, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're funded through advertising. So the idea is use the search engine. They get sponsors that sponsor on their site. Uh, They don't share any data with them. Um, I've been using the engine now for about three days just to see. I found it, the search is pretty competent. It's not as super slick as maybe the big boys, but it certainly is holding its own so far. Hmm. It's got a social business model. So what's kind of cool is it has a lot of strong transparency. For example, you can see a breakdown of all their um, financial reports and where their money goes, how they spend their money internally and how they split out the profits and spend the profits. I don't know. I think it's kind of cool. This uh, just I'm 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 going to be really d- dumb right now. This is not one of those things where it's built actually on top of like a Google like the Google search technology. I don't think that's a dumb question because I was trying to find that just before we started recording. I'm thinking the day didn't build their own search engine, so they must be using the technology from someone else. And my initial Oh, it's powered by Bing. Bing. It says it's powered by Bing. Okay. And I thought, okay, "Oh, that yeah. must be it." Okay, so they're, they're yeah, so they're built on Bing. There you go. There are so, there are a lot of uh, websites that do stuff like this. That's really interesting that this one does uh, something ecological. I've seen some that do sort of a similar put a f- not a filter, but yeah, I guess a filter over search results, and it's like a kid friendly search engine, and they try to make sure that schools only use that kid friendly search engine, but it's really powered by Google in the back end. So this is a Bing version. That's cool. I think it is cool. Well, Carol, at least hopefully some some trees are being grown as a result of your browsing. Yeah. Maybe maybe there. <laughs> okay. Well, I've never heard of it before. Interesting. One to uh, investigate a little bit more deeply, maybe. And on that curious turn, it's time to wrap up the show. Maria, I'm sure lots of our listeners would love to follow you online and put you on their Twitter lists. 
What is the best way for folks <laughs> nice to do that? Nice list only, please. Yeah, uh, I'm at M-V-A-R-M-A-Z-I-S, M Varmazis, it's my name. And uh, it's a Twitter. And if you are on infosec.exchange via Mastodon, I am at Maria. So much easier on that. And you can follow us on Twitter at smash insecurity, no G, Twitter won't allow us to have a G. And we're also on Reddit. Go and find us there after you've spent some time on the Am I the Arsehole subreddit. You can go <laughs> pop over to smash insecurity on Reddit as well. Huge thank you to sponsors LastPass and Edgewise. Their support helps us give you the show for free. So be sure to check out their offers. And thank you, lovely listeners. Check out smashingsecurity.com for past episodes, sponsorship details, info on how to get in touch with us. Until next time, cheerio, bye-bye. Later. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. In game with iOS 13. And this is directly in competition with Facebook and Google. So all app developers were told for iOS... Oh, fuck. Everything all right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Carrie, I'm just telling a recording right now. Hi, girls, mom. (laughs) Is that Facebook's marketing department wanting to make an offer to Maria? Oh, they're they're telling me, please stop talking about it. It's actively hurting us. (laughs) Yeah. Nothing else is. Yeah, literally just me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's nothing to do with me, says Zuck. I'm great. You're the problem, Maria. Yep. Do you think they were listening in? Maybe they were. <laughs> of course they were. Well, Maria still uses Facebook. So tell us, what, what, so this is a single sign-in from Apple. Yeah, so they are entering the third-party sign-in game. To-